We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you. Very much as always for locking in. This is going to be an audio only episode going solo today. And the theme is going to be power ranking every Buffalo Bills free agent acquisition this offseason. There's been 14 of them. I'm going to power rank them in my opinion anyway. These are all my opinion here, no consensus from 14 all the way down to one. So least impactful to the guys that I think have the best chance to make a significant impact on the 2023 Buffalo Bills. Not going to be a long episode. Uh, Got a lot going on this week too, by the way. So tomorrow, tomorrow being Wednesday, I'm going to have Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings with me. Anthony is being kind enough to kind of sub in the summer for my man, Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Um, Aaron has been doing this podcast with me pretty much every Wednesday for several months now. But he's a stay-at-home dad to two young kids. And with school being out for the summer, he's going to have his hands full with them. We tape our show usually Tuesday mornings for our Wednesday uh, morning episode drop. So he's just not going to have a chance to do it. So anyway, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings is going to fill in. I'm a big fan of Anthony. I like him a lot. We'll spend a lot of time, just like I did with Aaron through all these months. We'll, we'll, we're going to talk plenty of sports, plenty of Buffalo Bills talk, some NFL. Um, I'm sure we'll talk some Sabres, some other Buffalo sports, but we'll also spend some time just talking some pop culture, some fun life stuff, talking about Buffalo. So look for Aaron, or no, I'm sorry, look for Anthony now. Every Wednesday here on Talking Buffalo going forward, at least, like I said, for the next few months um, until the fall. And then coming up this, well, Thursday night live from Imperial, that series is continuing. I'm going to have Lance Lazowski from the Buffalo News. Lance covers the the Buffalo Sabres for the news. So I'm going to have him with me live on Thursday night. It'll be streaming 8 p.m. live for people who want to watch it on video, of course, 
It'll be available here in podcast form very first thing uh, Friday morning. So looking forward to that. I'll tell you real quick, then we'll get going here. I don't want to make this a long episode, but uh, this Imperial Live series that I've been doing has been so much fun. It really has. And last week, probably, quite frankly, I got to be honest, probably my favorite of all the shows that I've been able to do live from Imperial Pizza so far. I had Tim Graham and Tyler done with me. It was a kind of one night only uh, done with Graham reunion. Fantastic time. The, the conversation was great, which by the way, not that many of you care about this kind of thing, but that ended up being, so this is episode 587 right now, Talking Buffalo. That episode with Tim and Tyler ended up being the second most downloaded episode I've ever had in the entire history of this podcast. Only one that ever had bigger numbers, which will probably be very hard to ever match, was I had Adam Schefter on all the way back in May of 2018. So that was last Thursday, or I should say Friday, the second most downloaded episode ever and the most that I've had in five years. If you didn't listen to it, go back, do yourself a favor and go check those guys out, man. Absolutely fantastic conversation. We talked about their podcast, their time together at the Buffalo News. Spent a lot of time talking about the Buffalo Bills. Tim had some very, very strong takes on not so much Stefan Diggs because he went out of his way to say he doesn't really have an opinion about what Diggs is pissed about because he doesn't know. He was um, able to exclude Ken Dorsey. He said, per a source, so Diggs' beef is not with Ken Dorsey. He did say that on the show, which, by the way, I put a clip up of about that six, seven minute conversation on uh, Twitter over the weekend at like 86,000 views or something crazy like that. I picked up somewhere. But um, anyway, it was awesome. Great Bills talk. Oh, we had a really good talk about the media. Just really good stuff, man, with, with Tim and Tyler. Two of the very best in the business. And I don't say that lightly. I truly mean it, man. They're just two talented people who I, I just love those guys to death. So go check that out if you missed it. But anyway, today, like I said, I'm just going to power rank, in my opinion at least, Buffalo Bills, free agents, all of them. The Brandon Bean has signed 14 free agents this offseason. Going to power rank them, start at 14. Go all the way down to one. Pretty simple concept. I'm sure you guys all get it. So uh, on that note, man, let's just, uh, let's get going. Like I said, don't want this to be a very long episode. Let's start right away. Number 14, a recent uh, addition to the Buffalo Bills, cornerback Cameron uh, Dantzler, former Vikings corner, signed a one-year deal just a couple weeks ago on uh, June 7th. 24 years old, a, a former third-round pick in 2020. Played 35 games with the Vikings, 26 starts over those three years. Has three interceptions for his career. Now, I've seen some reports suggest that potentially he could compete for the Bills' number two cornerback spot, but I'm going to tell you what, right now, I don't buy it at all. I just don't. Trey White is the Bills' number one corner. We know that. Number two corner, though, you got Kyrie Lam, the first-round pick last year. You got Christian Benford, who beat out Elam last year in camp, and I think is very much legitimately in the mix for the Bills' number two corner spot. It is not going to be handed to Kyrie Elam this summer. It's just not. And then you still got Dane Jackson. So that competition for, for number two corner is already stacked. It's solid. Plus, look, Danzler, who 
And he's exclusively an outside corner, by the way. He doesn't play in the slot. So if you're wondering if maybe he could back up uh, Teron Johnson, that's not going to happen. He's an outside guy. Plus, just look, he's not that good. I'm just going to say it. Not a very good corner. He was inactive last year with the Vikings, inactive for seven of his last nine games. He got cut in March by Minnesota. And then he signed with the Washington Commanders. And then he was released by them a couple months later. And of course, now he signed with the Bills. I'll tell you what, if you're getting cut by the Washington Commanders before mandatory minicamp even starts, your chances of making this Buffalo Bills roster right now, they ain't great. Not great at all. So I'm going to put him all the way here at the bottom at number 14. Uh, number 13, Shane Ray, defensive end, signed with the Bills in May following a tryout over uh, the team's rookie minicamp. A lot of people know the name Shane Ray. It's a former first-round pick, 23rd overall by uh, the Denver Broncos in 2015 out of Missouri. Played four years with the Broncos, 14 sacks. Couple big plays in his career, especially in the Super Bowl. Uh, he forced a fumble for Denver back when they whooped up on Carolina and they won themselves the Super Bowl. So he's had some success in his career, but a lot for him has changed since then. He's dealt with wrist injuries, other injuries, and he's been out of the NFL entirely since uh, 2019 before signing with Buffalo. Obviously, a big uh, surprise signing. I did play, he has played football. Last two years, he's been with Toronto in the CFL. I mean, look, Shane Ray would be a great Cinderella comeback story, but this is probably the wrong team and probably the wrong position for it to happen here in Buffalo. I didn't think he had a great chance when he signed, but since he signed, uh, you know, what little chance he probably had of, of making this team. Probably went right out the window uh, when they recently signed Leonard Floyd. And obviously, we'll talk about him here in this podcast in a few minutes. So right now, the Bills have six pretty notable defensive ends on this roster. And that's not counting Ray. So it would be a very surprising, maybe like pleasant, borderline shocking development if Ray sticks around long at all this summer. Now, of course, look, Von Miller, maybe he goes on the PUP list, starts the year on injured reserve, misses at least the first four games. It could happen. Maybe they trade somebody like A.J. Epinesa or Boogie Basham at some point earlier, you know, at some point during training camp. If, if those two things happen, then and only then I think Shane Ray would have a fighting chance to make this roster. But again, quite frankly, I just... I don't see it happening at all. So I have him at 13, very likely just a, a notable camp body and maybe some insurance. And, uh, you know, nothing to lose. Hey, nothing to lose by signing him at all. Um, number 12, Travis Howard from the Rams. Uh, he signed with the Bills following rookie minicamp, just like Shane Ray after a tryout. Uh, the kid's 27 years old, and he's done some things in the NFL, just like uh, Shane Ray. He had a key interception. For the Rams against Frisco back in 2022, that sealed the NFC Championship, locked the Rams uh, into the Super Bowl, of course, which they won. Obviously, he's been a backup and he's primarily played special teams throughout his career, which, of course, that is something that the Bills seem to love more than anyone. 
Lord knows the Bills love them some special team players. I mean, like seriously, I want to love anything in my life as much as the Buffalo Bills love signing core special team players. And it's not that I don't like Howard as a player. From what I've seen, he looks all right. I just, I just don't see a path for him on this roster right now. He plays linebacker. You got Matt Milano. And then you got a pair of third-round picks in rookie Dorian Williams and third-round pick from a year ago, Terrell Bernard. They're certainly not going to give up on either of those guys that quick. Bernard only in year two. Williams a rookie, so that's already three right off the bat. Then you got Terrell Dodson, who I think is very, very much in the mix to be the starting Mike linebacker this year, probably as the inside track on that job. Uh, you got A.J. Klein. You got uh, yet another special team standout player in Tyler Matekovich. And I didn't even count Bale Inspector. So that's seven linebackers I just ran off without even getting to Howard. So, I mean, never say never. But short of injuries happening, I just don't see Howard as anything more than a pretty good training camp body for this roster. Number 11, sticking with the Rams, former Ram players, I should say anyway, guard David Edwards. David Edwards signed a one-year deal with Buffalo roughly a week or so into free agency. He's a former fifth-round pick by the Rams. One thing he does have going for him is he was coached for two years there by a current Buffalo Bills offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer. He's a former starter. In 2020, he made 14 starts. And in 2021, he started all 17 games for the Rams at left guard, which, of course, the year they won the Super Bowl. So, again, there's some potential here. Dealt with a lot of injuries, though, over the last year, including a concussion. Only made four starts last year. When he first signed, I thought, all right, this is a guy who has a great chance to uh, definitely make the roster and possibly even become a starter. But I feel like that changed. Big time when the Bills drafted Osiris Torrance in, in round two. I like Edwards. I'm just not sure where he fits in. I mean, you got Connor McGovern. We'll talk about McGovern here in just a couple minutes. Um, so that's one guard spot. And then you got either the rookie, Osiris Torrance, like we just mentioned, or you got Ryan Bates as the starter on the other side. They're, they'll compete for sure at camp. And then you also have Ike Bakker back. I think that's somebody the Bills like. They've liked him. So, you know, Edwards could, he could prove to be valuable death. But it's also possible, if there's no injuries, that Edwards might have a, a difficult time making out of this team. Look, even if you put Torrance in as a starting guard alongside McGovern, and you say Ryan Bates is going to be a swing guy, he could be backup center, he could back up both guard positions, maybe even back up a tackle position if necessary. At, the, at a minimum to make this roster, because I don't think they're going to carry four guards, Edwards might have to beat out Eichbacher at camp. So it'll be something to watch. But anyway, I won't write him off so quickly like I'm willing to write off Howard or Shane Ray or Dantzler. But I, I think Edwards is going to have an uphill battle to be anything more than a bottom of the roster guy at best. Uh, keeping this going here. Number 10, quarterback Kyle Allen. Signed a one-year deal. Uh, he played with Houston last year. Played for Washington for two years. Carolina two years before that. He's boys with Josh Allen because, of course, he is. You know, he's continuing that trend of backup quarterbacks that Josh Allen likes a lot personally. 
Uh, he's played 23 games in his career, including 19 starts, 26 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, 62.6 completion percentage, averaged 205.8 yards per game. Uh, his best year was 2019. He started 12 games for Carolina, threw for 3,322 yards, 17 touchdowns with 16 picks. Carolina went 5-7 and seven with him as a starter. Look, I'm throwing out all these numbers, but here's the deal, man. I ain't got much to say. Probably a moderate, mild to moderate downgrade from Case Keenum, the backup last year. But look, here's, here's the bottom line. Dude, it don't matter. It don't matter if it's Casey Keenum. It don't matter if it's Kyle Allen. It don't matter if it's pretty much any QB2 out there. If Josh goes down for a significant period of time, that's probably a wrap for the Buffalo Bills in their season. And that's no diss to the Bills. You can say the same thing about Kansas City and Cincinnati and Dallas and a lot of these other contenders in, on paper. The starter goes down, the backup. If he has to play for a long stretch, that team's in a world of trouble. Buffalo is no different. But I will say, for a few games, I think Kyle Allen could be good enough to keep this team relatively afloat if it's absolutely necessary. You know, maybe I have him ranked uh, maybe a couple spots higher than most do because I think it's 100% a lock that he's making this team. And I think it's 100% that his role is already defined as uh, the QB2. Again, let's just hope that unless it's to hand the ball off, protecting the lead late in the fourth quarter, that you don't see much or any of Kyle Allen in 2023. Probably not good news for the Bills if you do. So anyway, I have him at number 10. Number nine, running back Latavius Murray. The Bills signed him to a one-year deal just two days after the draft. Uh, 33 years old, kind of old, not kind of, is old for a running back from nearby Syracuse. That's where he grew up. I, he, he immediately, by the way, immediately the second he signed, he became the second oldest player on the Bills roster. Only Vaughn Miller is older. Uh, Murray visited the Bills back on April 12th. Uh, Lanny Getzenberg from ESPN reported that. But he wanted to wait to after the draft to see how things shook out around the league. And reportedly, Brandon Bean actually agreed to this deal with Murray during day three of the draft. Once they agreed on the deal, the Bills did not take a, uh, a rookie running back in the draft. He's a big boy. Big boy. 6'2", 230. Still has some juice left in the tank. He ran for uh, over 100 yards in two of Denver's last five games to end last season. Had 760 yards rushing between Denver and the Saints last year, which is the most he's had in this league in five years. I just think, I, I think McMurray has been uh, a model of consistency during his nine years in, uh, in the league. He's run for at least 500 yards. I'm looking at these numbers right now. And as I'm looking at him, I'm like, you know what? These are pretty freaking impressive. He's run for at least 500 yards during each season, except his rookie year. I think, you know what? I think he has a legitimate chance to, to make this team. I think he has a legitimate chance to surpass Damian Harris on the depth chart. Even if he doesn't have the upside that Damian Harris has. And we'll talk about Damian here in just a minute. I think worst case, Murray is like insurance on the practice squad 
like Duke Johnson was last year. Worst case. Best case, I could see him not only being on the active roster, but I could see him being active on game days. I could see him getting a handful of carries in games. And, you know, maybe Ken Dorsey trusts him to, to take care of the football and move the chains when the Bills are protecting leads. So when I look at Latavius Murray right now, low risk, no risk. I think, I think it's a really good signing. I only have him at nine out of 14, but I actually like this signing a lot. I think it's a good low-key signing for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, one more, then we'll take a quick break. Number eight, Deontay Hardy signed a two-year deal. Max is out at $13.5 million, including $5 million of that fully guaranteed. He signed that on the first day of free agency. So he was a, he was a pretty decent priority for the Buffalo Bills. I think Hardy comes to Buffalo with expectation of uh, being what they were hoping Isaiah McKenzie would be on a more consistent basis for the Bills last year. Deontay Hardy is a guy who, he just straight up brings speed, man. He's fast, both as a receiver, also in the return game. His best season was 2021. He missed three games, despite missing, I should say, three games due to a suspension of COVID issues. Still had 36 catches. For 570 yards, both second on the Saints in 2021, Hardy could play the slot. He's also capable of playing outside some, and he can even come out of the backfield. Like I said, an improved Isaiah McKenzie. I'm sure that's Brandon Bean's vision when signing him very early in the free agency. I think he'll probably get a decent amount of time in the slot when the Bills aren't using their first round draft pick, Dalton Kincaid there. We'll see how that goes. We know historically the Bills don't like to play rookies too much, so you might not see a lot of two tight end sets early on. You might see a lot more Hardy out there. I kind of feel like Hardy's got like high upside potential. Not luck, but potential. A lot of uh, upside here as a free agent. His yards per target, his yards after the catch are among some of the best in the league. I'll be in a limited amount of opportunities. He may not be, nor may he ever be a world beater. But again, I think potentially he could be significantly better than Jameson Crowder. I think he could be significantly better than the 2022 version of Cole Beasley or the 2022 version of John Brown and more consistent than Isaiah McKenzie. So for those reasons, it's a signing I like. All right, let's take a quick break. Going to come back, number seven through one, top Buffalo Bills free agent acquisitions during the offseason. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back here talking Buffalo. I am running down the top 14 free agents, all 14 free agents, I should say. I'm power ranking them from 14 to 1 to review. Uh, We started off Cameron Danzler, 13 Shane Ray, 12 Trayvon Howard, 11 David Edwards, 10 Kyle Allen, 9 Latavius Murray. And right before the break, we stopped with number 8 Deontay Hardy continuing here. At number seven, I got Trent Sherfield. Uh, the Bills signed Sherfield to a one-year deal, a handful of days into free agency. And like I said, using that low-key um, terminology that I used with Deontay Hardy, I think this is also a low-key potential good signing, a really good signing. I think this is one where potentially it could be a signing that we're talking about at the end of the season as a great one. I, I think this guy's got potential to be more than just a, a relatively decent role player for the Bills. Um, Sherfield you know, kind of floundered around a little bit with San Francisco and then Arizona his first four years in the NFL. And then last year with Miami, Sherfield was a number three receiver. Caught 30 balls, 417 yards, and two touchdowns, including a 75-yarder for a touchdown against San Francisco. And I still remember that play very well. I think I had money maybe on the under that game. I remember yelling at my TV. But um, anyway, Sherfield was impressive on that play and in that game. I Look, I like this guy. I like him a lot. He can run. He can catch the football. He's physical. He's a hell of a blocker. He's a good special team player, which again, I know the Bills love that shit. Worst case, realistic, worst case. I think he's an upgrade over Jake Coomer, who they lost. I think he's an upgrade over Jameson Crowder who they lost and never really had last year to begin with because of injuries. I like this, man. I, I like Trent Sherfield. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. If something happens to Diggs or Davis, I feel relatively pretty good about him stepping in and doing some good things. Or even if nothing happens to, to them, which obviously I hope that's the case, I think Sherfield may get some run, man. I think he might get some real opportunities with this offense. It wouldn't surprise me at all see him to see him duplicate or maybe even surpass what he did in Miami last year, which again, if if I were to tell you right now, he'll have 30 catches for 417 yards and two touchdowns. I think you might be tempted to take that considering that the bills were, you know, with Diggs and Davis and Knox and Kincaid and cook lots of weapons on offense. You give me 30 for 417 from Sherfield. I think I'd sign up for that. So I like him a lot. I have him at number seven, but I think potentially when it's all said and done at the end of the year, Maybe I have him ranked too low. I hope I do. I'll continue with number six, Brandon Shell. Just recently signed a one-year deal with the Bills. And I want to be really clear here, okay? I have him ranked this high, not because I love him as a player, love him as a prospect, but I have him this high because I think he's set to play 
an important role on this team. He conceivably could end up as a starter at right tackle at some point this season or left tackle, you know, a sprained ankle away, maybe, a, you know, a couple bad Spencer Brown weeks away from starting. Now, I could be completely wrong here, but I think, I think, worst case, he beats out David Quisenberry. He becomes the team's swing tackle behind Dawkins and Brown. From there, who knows? Like I said, if Spencer Brown falters and he doesn't improve on his play from a year ago or if Dawkins goes down, you might see some Brandon Shell in there. Shell's been in this league for seven years. Started 11 games for Miami last year. Uh, he spent the first four years of his career with the Jets to a Seattle. 72 starts in total, so he's got a lot of experience, most of right tackle. Um, the position where I feel like on the line, the Bills arguably are at their weakest right now. Not arguably, the Bills. As of right now, right tackle is the sore spot on the Bills offensive line. And again, to reiterate, it's not that I'm particularly high on shell. It's just that offensive tackle is a valuable, valuable position. And uh, I wonder about anyone who's sitting around waiting to get signed into June, such as was the case with Brandon Shell. Not sure about him as a player. I just, I have him ranked this high because I feel like the opportunity is there for him to uh, go out and make a mark on this team. So I have him at six. At five, I got Damian Harris. Damian Harris signed a one-year deal with the Bills on March 20th, which ironically, by the way, same exact date that Devin Singletary inked a deal uh, with the Houston Texans. Harris's deal goes up potentially to $3.75 million. Ran for 462 yards last year, despite playing just 22% of New England snaps. In part, that was because of a thigh injury forced him to miss six games. But also, he did get surpassed um, Mike Stevenson on the New England depth chart. So there's that too. Uh, Harris isn't quite as elusive in short spaces like Devin Singletary was, but I think he's a much tougher runner uh, between the tackles. Two years ago, 929 yards rushing. He scored 15 touchdowns on the ground. How good would it be for the Bills to have a running back who can get in the end zone 15 times so Josh Allen doesn't have to put his body on the line near the end zone with these carries? So there's proven production there. I'm sure many Bills fans remember back in 2021 uh, when he broke free for a 64-yard touchdown against the Bills on Monday night. That ugly as sin 14-10 uh, New England win in that crazy-ass win game where Mac Jones only threw the ball three goddamn times, yet somehow New England still beat the Bills on the road Monday night football. Just a crazy game. But anyway, Harris had that big play that game. Assuming... Damian Harris beats out Latavius Murray on the depth chart, which again, said this a few minutes ago, I don't think that is a lock. But assuming he does, I think Harris can find himself in a pretty decent timeshare with James Cook. There's certainly opportunity for Harris to, to have a nice bounce back year in Buffalo and uh, a considerable role in an offense that going by Damian Harris and Murray and drafting Torrance early in the draft, a big balling guard. This looks like an offense that's looking to be more physical for sure. And I think that suits Damian Harris just fine. So I have him at five. Number four, Taylor Rapp signed a one-year deal with the Bills back on March 27th after previously making a, a visit to New England. I like uh like many, I think people were at least a little bit surprised 
when the Bills signed Taylor Rapp because you got Micah Hyde back and Jordan Poyer, which when I talk about him because he re-signed, he's not a new free agent. It's probably the biggest and most surprising move the Bills have made this entire offseason. But anyway, you got Hyde back. You got Poyer coming back. And they go out and they sign Taylor Rapp. But I like it. I like it a lot. Rapp had 92 tackles last year, two picks, six passes defended with the Rams for his career, 48 starts, nine picks, three fumble recoveries, a forced fumble. He was good with the Rams. Good player for the Rams. Right off the bat. And this is why I like the signing so much. I started thinking about last year with the Buffalo Bills in the safety position and just how thin that position got. So you got Micah Hyde, who gets hurt in week two, of course, ends up missing the entire season. You got Jordan Poyer, who was battling injuries literally all year, dating all the way back to training camp, um, just was not physically the same player that he's been because of the injuries. This forced DeMar Hamlin into a starting role, who I thought DeMar Hamlin was all right. I thought DeMar Hamlin was pretty damn good early in the season, but I feel like it seemed to me he hit a, wall, a little bit of a wall anyway. And I'm talking before the scary injury late in the season in Cincinnati. Um, so he was all right. Jaquan Jones was a disaster. Cam Lewis was no better. In fact, Cam Lewis, because of injuries, was forced to start in that Vikings game, and it was just ugly. No disrespect to him because it wasn't just one player, but he played a big role by not knocking a fourth down pass down that uh, resulted in the, in the Bills losing that Vikings game, which ultimately cost them uh, the number one seed in the AFC. So yet there's that. And then you have Dean Marlowe. Not against Dean Marlowe, but when you're in the playoffs, Dean Marlowe should not be your starting safety. And that's exactly what happened for the Bills this year. For, so when you look at that, rap at worst right now, at worst, really good depth for this team. And even if Hyde and Boyer both stay healthy, I'll bet you, Taylor Rapp still has a role in his defense. I could see him as a linebacker and some dime packages for sure. There's lots of things that they could do with him. I like this pickup a lot. Not just for depth, not just for maybe a couple of specific schemes, packages this year, but this is a guy I could see them easily turning the keys over this net coming off season. They can give him a starting spot. You know, if they resign him at the end, maybe it's the end of the road at the end of the season for. For Micah Hyde, who's scheduled to be a free agent, or maybe even though we signed a two-year deal, who knows what happens with Jordan Poyer. So I like Rap being here in Buffalo, having a season under his belt. Maybe he doesn't start this year and he becomes a starter after that. Very good run defender, smart player. Yeah, you know what? I, I do. I like this pickup a lot. I think he's going to help a lot. And speaking of guys who are going to help a lot, I feel like number three, Puna Ford, is another one. He signed a one-year deal with the Bills on May 2nd, days after the draft, following the Bills not addressing defensive line at all during the draft, which pissed a lot of people off, yours truly included. I was really annoyed that the Bills, up until the end of the draft, did nothing to, to address defensive line at all. But that changed. Puna comes into Bills after spending five years with Seattle, and frankly, you know, I was surprised, man. He, this is a guy, Puna Ford, I heard some free agency buzz about him and being a good fit for Buffalo before free agency even started back in March. You know, I remember Greg Thompson pounding the table for him 
on uh, the Cover One Buffalo podcast with, with Aaron Quinn. Heard it a couple times. So it was a name that I was hearing plenty before free agency even started. I didn't think the Bills would be able to afford him. But as it turns out, Ford was willing to sign a, you know, quite uh, an extremely team-friendly contract. Like one of those one-year prove-it deals with Buffalo. He makes up to $3.25 million, Not a lot. I mean, that is, folks, that is a direct perk of, of being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. When you're a legitimate Super Bowl contender, that's when you start getting guys like Puna Ford to sign for less than market value. And that's exactly what happened. Ford plays primarily one tech, but he's got some versatility. He'll slot in behind uh, Daquan Jones for the most part, but he'll play plenty. I mean, for me, he's an instant upgrade and a significant upgrade over Tim Settle. Last year with Daquan, he was out for the Bengals playoff game. It was plain to see. The defensive line just looked decimated without Daquan Jones. I remember Joe Goodberry, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals. He does a great job. We were on a podcast together. I can't even remember which one it was, but we were both guests on the same show. And he talked about when Daquan Jones, when they found out Daquan Jones wasn't playing, that the, the Bills defensive line was going to have problems with the Bengals. And they sure as shit did. So having a guy like Ford there, not only maybe necessarily play some steps alongside Jones, but if Jones is out, the drop off is nowhere near as significant and big as it was with Tim Settle. Ford's potentially as good as, as Daquan Jones. And I, I think it brings value to uh, this defensive line big time. I'm glad the Bills didn't decide to just run it back at defensive tackle. That seemed to be what was going to be the case after the draft. And again, I was pretty pissed off about that. You know, I don't, when it comes to Ed Oliver, I, I don't want to get into it on today's show because I could do a whole show talking about Ed Oliver. I'll just say this in one sentence. Little too inconsistent for my liking. Let's just leave it there. I'm sure many of you will disagree with that. Daquan's good, but he's up there in age. I think he's like 32 years old. Jordan Phillips makes plays, but he gets hurt too damn much. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll be healthy, but you can't count on it. And speaking of maybes, you know, maybe Tim Settle will be a little bit better in 2023, but I did not like what I saw from him much at all in 2022. Pretty much let down. I think Ford's going to bring a lot to this unit, which again, not just defensive tackle, but defensive end. Looked like they were just going to run it back before making impact moves, not just once, but twice following the draft. I like the addition of Poon Ford a lot. All right, we got two more left here. Number two, maybe a head scratcher to some of you, and I'll understand why if you feel that way, but I went with Connor McGovern as my number two. He was the Bills' uh, first addition via free agency this offseason. They signed him to a three-year, $23 million deal from Dallas. Got an $8 million signing bonus. On top of a 1.9 base for 2023, got cap hits of 5.8 million um, in 2024 and 5.35 in 2025. If he is a disaster, if he ends up being a disaster, this contract is structured so that the Bills could have an out after next year, which you know would be roughly a $6 million dead cap hit. But the Bills conceivably could get out of it as little as one year if they wanted to, and hopefully they don't, but they could. Um. Not that, hmm, how do I say it? Not that the national media analysis means anything when games are played on the field, especially during the offseason. 
when people are talking about for what it's worth. I, I mean, I do got to say this. If you're going to talk up the media, giving the bills props when they sign players, then you also, you got to look on the other side too. And when, when the media criticizes or analysis, analysts, I should say, criticize players and contracts. And for what it's worth, I noticed this contract that McGovern got was pretty widely criticized by a lot of media people around the league. So why do I have Conor McGovern number two on my list? I don't think he's the second best football player that the Bills have added via free agency, to be completely honest with you. Not even close, really. But I own the side because I think he's a decent player. I think he's got room to grow. And more importantly, short of him being in complete and utter disaster at training camp, he's absolutely going to step in and start at guard, without question. I think for sure he's going to be an upgrade over Roger Stafford. Well, well, you know what? I need to be careful with that, though. because. A year or so ago, I remember saying Roger Saffold was absolutely a big upgrade over John Feliciano. And that really didn't turn out to be true, right? Didn't. For the most part, I like what I've seen. I like what I've read. I like what I've heard about Conor McGovern from some pretty smart football people whose opinions I put stock into. Uh, he's a former second round pick back in 2019. Started 15 games with Dallas last year. Likely going to st stay at left guard for the Bills this year. Um, I looked up the PFF grades for him. Out of 85 guards that were graded last year, that had enough snaps to qualify. He was very high in pass blocking, 14th. That's high. However, again, and this is where there's a lot of questions about him. Very, very low in run blocking, 79th. That's terrible. But I think he's still young. I think he could be ascending as a player. I think he could be a good fit for Bill's offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer, a guy who I think is a good coach and someone I got some good respect for. Again, it's not automatic. It's not automatic, but I'm confident he'll do much better than Roger Saffold did last year, who quite frankly was among the worst of the Bill starters on either side of the ball last year. So. McGovern's a decent signing. He's a starter, and he could become at least adequate, if he could become, I should say, even adequate as a run blocker. This could turn into a very valuable signing. The Bills have put a lot of resources, and at least in the interior, to, to better protecting Josh Allen and hopefully um, developing a better running game between the offensive line and getting two bigger physical backs this offseason. I think McGovern could be a guy at the end of the year where we look back and say, you know what? That was a really good deal. Uh, number one, we've reached the end here. Leonard Floyd, folks. Signed a one-year deal with the Bills on June 5th, seemingly out of nowhere. Pretty much since free agency even started, I was clamoring for the Bills to add someone of note to the pass rush. There's a lot of good pass rushers out there, and there still is a lot of good pass rushers out there. A, a wave of Proven veteran free agent pass rushers sat out the market, waited for the draft, and there was still a bunch for the Bills to pick for, and they landed one. So once like that first and second wave of free agents free agency passed, felt pretty obvious the Bills were going to look to the draft. At least so I thought, and I didn't like that because I don't think it worked out well at all with Boogie Basham or AJ Epinesa over the past couple of years, and then the draft passed and nothing. I was like, well. 
We're just going to run it back on this defensive line. We talked about it with the defensive tackle position before they added Puna Ford. Didn't like that. But then, I would say it's at least a, a mini bombshell. June 5th, Floyd signs with the Bills. I love it. First and foremost, Floyd's proven production. Not upside, not maybe this, maybe that. He is proven production. Leonard Floyd has had at least nine stacks with the Rams each of the last three seasons. Let me give y'all a fun stat. There's a fun stat. In the entire history of the Buffalo Bills, history of the franchise, the Bills have only had three guys play for them to have at least nine sacks in three straight seasons. One is Bruce Smith. One is Mario Williams. And one is Vaughn Miller. And obviously only Smith and Mario actually did it with Buffalo. Floyd has had nine sacks at least in three straight seasons. The guy could get to the quarterback and he can get him to the ground. And you could talk offense and scoring all you want. And obviously it's true. But having a pass rush matters. Having a guy that could finish matters. Joe Burrow could have packed a lunch last year in the playoffs, shellacking in Buffalo. The year before that, pretty much ditto for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if you get pressure out of him, you got to get him to the ground. The Bills don't. The pass rush matters a lot. Floyd, who can make up to $9 million this year, I think he's going to be huge for the Bills, especially early in the season. I think Von Miller, you take your time getting him on the field at some point, and when he does, it's going to take him a while to really ramp up and, and get fully up to Von Miller's speed. And I don't want to hear about Boogie Basham anymore or A.J. Epinesa. I mean, look, I promise you it's a big reason why Brandon B went out and made this move. He knows he can't trust them either. Now, do you write Boogie or AJ, both of them off completely at this point? No, not saying that. But you're all in right now. You are all in. And I want players that I can trust. And I don't trust them. I trust Leonard Floyd. Later on, when Vaughn is back, you hopefully, knock on wood, you got a healthy Vaughn. You got Floyd and you got Greg Rizzo. Two of those three are going to be out there almost every snap. It's very, very formidable. I said it earlier with Ford and it bears repeating with Floyd again here. These guys coming to Buffalo, it's a direct benefit of being a Super Bowl contender right now. These guys, Floyd, Puna Ford, they ain't coming to Buffalo for lesser money. If they don't think this team can win a championship this year. The window for a Super Bowl will always be open in Buffalo. As long as Josh Allen is under center. As long as Josh Allen is healthy. And as long as Josh Allen is playing at an elite level. But it may never be more open than it is right now. They know it. And guys like Leonard Floyd. Puna Ford and Taylor Rapp, no one on the defensive side, just like guys like Damian Harris and Latavius Murray know it. 
on the offensive side as well. So I got Leonard Floyd, number one, that is going to do it for this episode. Again, thank you very much for listening. I always say it's going to be a short episode when I do these stupid solo shows, and they always go longer than I thought. But anyway, if you made it to the end, thank you very much. Again, 14 free agents, 14 to one, just my own personal opinion. Thank you very much. Be back with a brand new episode. Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. Talk to you tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.